Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leadership Podcast with Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founding and senior pastor of New Life Fellowship Church in Queens in New York City. New Life is a church community with people from over 73 nations. Pete is also the best-selling author of the Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and the Daily Office Devotion. Thanks for tuning in to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Rich Velotis. I'm the Associate Lead Pastor at New Life Fellowship in Queens. And I'm with Pastor Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founder and senior pastor of New Life Fellowship here in, Tr- in Queens. And New Life is a church with folks from over 73 nations. Pete is also the best-selling author of The Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and The Daily Office Devotional Book. Now, today we're going to talk about leading out of your marriage. Um, at New Life, we have a value. Uh, we have five M's, and one of our M's is marriage to Christ. And it's a value that we have for marriages and for single folk uh, and how we live out formation. Uh, today we're talking about leadership as it pertains to marriage. So Pete, let's let's get with this here. Let's hear a little bit about your own journey. When did you get this revelation that leading out of your marriage was central to leadership, especially in the church? I wish I could say it came from the Bible first, but it didn't. <laughs> it actually came and uh, Jerry and I were doing an, what we call now an Emotionally Healthy Skills 2.0 incarnational listening exercise. Uh, in front of a therapist mentor and we were married eight years at that point and we started deeply we, we were doing this actually like listening to each other and really listening to each other it was the first time we'd ever done that and I had such a revelation of the glory of God in the middle of that moment I didn't know what hit me now understand that prior to this I've been a Christian 17 years and we were in a lot of charismatic circles real powerful revival type meetings, falling on the floor, you name it. And I'd really experienced the glory of God in a variety of church environments over those years. Mm. But nothing compared to the glory of God that I experienced that's at that moment. And it was like I saw her and she saw me and something just it was it was what Martin Buber calls sacred space happened. And all I knew was it was the glory of God. And it was like, that was it. I just, this was God's will to lead out of this place. So I didn't have really a theology for it. I just knew it was God. And so at that point, all kinds of scriptures started to come alive, you know, for me. So really, it came to me through an experience with Jerry in 1996. But the fuller theology of it has now taken another 17 years to you know, unfold theologically and biblically, but something happened. It was, it's like I was blind, but now I see. Yeah. The guy had no idea in Mark and John Lyman what was happening. That's what happened to me. So after that experience, the sacred space that you talk about, um, I, 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 a theology was built out of this or has been working out of this. So can you just give us a, a little summation of uh, the theological insights that informed the experience that you had? Yeah, so there's many levels of looking at the, the- theological insights. Okay, so... On a very you know superficial level, I, we could just take First Timothy three eight, where it says, "To if you're going to be an elder or an overseer, uh, you must be the husband of one wife. If you can't marry, if you can't manage your own home, how are you going to manage the church of God?" That Paul makes the point of the requirement of a leader is that you're managing. The word there in Greek is you are presiding well. So in the sense that you're you're leading out of a healthy organism of your family, out of which you're leading then a healthy church. That, that's the that's what First Timothy's saying. But the theology really comes out of, in a, in a more profound, larger biblical sense, it comes out of Genesis to Revelation, that Jesus compares 
uh, our relationship with God to that of marriage. God's our husband, we're his spouse, we're married to him, and that the Bible ends in this eternal wedding feast, and Jesus compares the kingdom to a wedding feast. And so if we make a vow of marriage, as it says in First in Thessalonians 5.32, that when Paul speaks about if a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, that shall be one flesh, he goes, but I'm talking, but this is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. That our marriages are meant are sacramental. They're meant to make visible something invisible, the love of Christ for the world and the church. And so it is a vow we take theologically on earth to be icons, to make visible something, something of the wedding feast of heaven, that people can see the love of God and what oneness to God's all about, what the purpose of a life is about by looking at the love of a uh, of, of us in our marriages. And so, and so then that's the loudest gospel message I preach as a pastor to our church is not my words. It actually is my marriage. So that's quite kind of cultural. Um, what difference, as you look at your experience and the theological insights that you have gleaned over the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years out of this, um, what difference has leading out of your marriage post that experience been like compared to before that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can lead out of different, you can lead the church out of different uh, foundations. So I can lead out of uh, unresolved family of origin stuff. I'm trying to, uh, I'm feeling shamed, I'm feeling unworthy, so I've got to, I don't want to be left behind, so I've got to make this thing happen so I know I'm not a loser. So I know that... Uh, people will think well of me. So I can lead out of fear. I can lead out of ambition. I can lead out of a need for numbers in the church. I can lead out of um, what other people think. Uh, all of which, as you know, the bad foundation eventually is going to crack. But leading out of your marriage means I've got a passion for the world. But because I've made this vow, it's out of the love of my spouse and I that's going to overflow. And then we give life to the world out of that. So we have birthed four biological children. But the, the, the birthing that's to come out of a marriage is much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. The love of God has to overflow, right? The Trinity, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, exists in this eternal exchange of love. So, so giving is just God's nature is to give. Love gives. Love reaches out. Marriage love can't help but give life. Mm -hmm. So Jerry and I, we're in our 80s and 90s. God gives us life that long. We'll be giving birth. We're going to be giving life, hopefully, to the world out of our love for each other. Mm -hmm. So it's really following the Trinitarian model of God who exists as three persons in one, giving life out. I want to go talk about the vow thing. Um, usually, at least for me, when I hear about the vow, you know, I hear at a, you know, at a wedding ceremony, make a vow, and it's almost as if that concept is just left at the ceremony and it's not brought back to uh, my thinking, relationships. That's me personally. I imagine it's the same for many people. As a leader now, the, the, the notion that you have a vow to your spouse, that is if you're married, how does that impact your leadership? And how does that impact your leadership that you have a vow to your, your spouse? Okay, well, first of all, because I have a vow to my spouse, it, it's, a, it's a gift of a limit from God for me. And so therefore, New Life Fellowship uh, right now has been limited for years by my marriage. Uh, it's been a gift to our church. So therefore, our church is rich as you, as you now, I'm handing it to you. Um, in light of my gifts, personality, in light of Jerry's gifts, personality, and temperament, all those dynamics, 
there was only so much I could give to New Life Fellowship because I had to give my first energy in life to, to, to my vow to Jerry. So New Life has 1,500 people. We have three services. Uh, we do a lot of things. But we're not 20,000 people. We're not, we have not done multi-site at this point um, because of the limits of my marriage. There wasn't enough leadership, perhaps in myself and even with our church, it would have taken so much out of me to, to grow at a faster clip that our marriage, well, I would not be leading out of my marriage. So I think the biggest thing is, uh, I think you're going to find this not just for your own marriage, but then your staff, uh, the people you're leading, you've got to take into account what's going to be the cost of, say, initiating a Saturday night service, which is great. I mean, it's so strategic. We want to do a Saturday night service. We didn't because we just felt like it would impact so many people's marriages. And again, it doesn't have to impact people's marriages if you make, if you make other decisions of what you're going to drop in the mm-hmm. church and compromise. So I, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's the biggest thing, not just your marriage, but your staff. Yeah. Um, how do I care for them in their marriages uh, so they're leading out of their marriage? And what are the implications of that for the pace of our church and even the depth? Because I want to do things that are going to give, give feed into their marriages. I want their spouses to be full of joy, with joy, mm. not just not looking at the church life. They're sucking a life out of us. I wish you did something else with your life. So I do monitor the spouses. How are you? Like, I, I always want to know how the spouse is doing. Mm. Uh, and again, we have a few spouses that work here at New Life, but not all the spouses work here at New Life. And uh, so I, as I told Red when he became the executive director of our CDC, that I was jo- half joking, but half serious. I said, well, Red, if your wife is miserable, uh, we're going to fire you. You know, and uh, he got the point. It wasn't quite literal, but. Here's another question that has come up at our marriage conferences that we've done here. Um, the nature of pastoral leadership uh, can be all encompassing. And so, you know, we don't check out at 5 p.m. We don't, you know, we hit the, you know, we don't swipe the car to check out and not think about it. It's very easy to take it home with us. Uh, the nature, you know, the needs are vast. And in my own life, as well as many people who have talked about it, they, they've used the, I, the, the language of, it's very easy to lead as if I'm a single person. It seems as if what you're talking about is uh, a critique to that. It's, it's contrasting uh, leaders that are leading as if they're single, but they're married. Can you talk a little about that? Because uh, yeah. for me, I find the temptation to lead as if I'm a single person and my wife is miserable over here saying, what, yeah. what are you doing? Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's much like our relationship with Jesus, right? We're one with Jesus. So therefore, I'm aware of Jesus all the time. I'm not just like making, doing things and Jesus is over there. Like I'm, I'm always aware and connected to Jesus in my whole life. Well, in the same way, I'm one flesh with my wife and therefore I don't, I don't live as if I'm not, I'm one flesh with this other person. So we go together I'm always aware of her uh, in everything I do. I don't, so whether, so it's like going to a party. If she's out of the room, I I know she's out of the room because I'm most aware of everything about that party. I'm most aware of her because we're one. And I think that's the principle of to live single is, is a violation of the vow because you're not single. You made a vow to be married to this person. Uh, And therefore, um, it, 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 it's that that it's a mindset of I'm, I'm one flesh with her, not just one flesh in sex and the mo- moment of intercourse. I'm one flesh. That's who we are. So we did, we don't make a vow to the church. No, in fact, just so you know, the church is going to forget you quicker than a heartbeat. You know, 
the end of your days. Uh, church will move on without you, but not your spouse or any children God gives you out of that marriage. Uh, it's very important to remember that we think that we think we're more indispensable to the church than we really are. Now, let's talk about the challenges of this because this is quite a paradigm shift in terms of um, how people would lead if they adjust their life to do this. This is a paradigm shift. This is not a, this is not a small change. This is can be quite a massive change. Um, what are some challenges that someone can anticipate if they want to start doing this? Um, what, what can they anticipate uh, as they make this shift? Challenge-wise. Um, well, I think one is you need to find places, resources where you can go and get grow in your marriage. It's very important. That becomes a high, high priority for you. So a challenge might be what do I find, you know, significant perhaps marriage events I can go to invest in my marriage, maybe a, a good counselor, mentor. Where can I go to invest and grow my marriage to get discipled? That can be, I think, a challenge. I think the second is uh, people might start thinking that you're lazy or something. But I don't know too many lazy pastors. Most pastors I know, 98% are overworking. There's a few. But mostly most are just, that's not the problem. Uh, so it's, it's to be able to say, what up? How much time am I going to give for my walk with Jesus? And then what do I need to do every week for my wife? I, I'd say for at least five, six years, at least, every week I, write, I would have to write down the early days when I made the switch. You know, what am I doing, number one, my walk with Jesus this week, you know, spending time with him. I always did that, you know, day alone with God. But then secondly, is what am I going to do to invest in our marriage this week? I had to write, and then I had thirdly, you know, prepare a sermon. You know, fourthly, you know, lead staff team. But I had that, it was always number two for me. Mm. Every week, because I had, and then, then I, didn't, I didn't need to do that anymore. It was so much a part of me. But it was so much, not, not, nobody in my family ever lived like this. I mean, this was so foreign mm. to my family growing up, so foreign to anything I'd seen as pastors and leaders. I had to write it down every week. And I have a little to-do list of my goals for the week. It became my number two goal. So it might be something as simple as, you know, take Jerry out on a date. Um, you know, make sure I clean the house. Um, you know, call her during the day, which is really hard for me to call. Once I got to church, I would never call her because I'm just so consumed. I, I still don't do it very often. But I had to write down specific things that I would do. Mm. Uh, that, that, was, that was a big challenge for me. Can I call my wife right now? I'm feeling no. guilty right now. Just <laughs> but Jerry doesn't, I found out Jerry doesn't really care if I call her. <laughs> <laughs> and again, what's important to her? Right? Yeah. I mean, different things are important to different people. <laughs> Lastly, um, let's just get a pragmatic here. Uh, I imagine there are a couple of a few pastors that are listening, maybe uh, someone who's on an elder board at a church who's listening right now. And what are a couple of steps to make this shift? Again, this is a large shift. This is not a small thing. To build this into the culture of a church and in the rhythm of a leader, what are a couple of things that churches should be thinking about so that their lead pastor, staff, associate pastors, their church as a whole are living and leading out of their marriages as it applies to them. So what would you say? Just a couple of things. Well, here in our remaining minute, I, I would say number one is read the ebook that's not written right now called Leading Out of Your Marriage. You really got to write that down. It's probably be worth writing into a little ebook of 30 pages. Um, I, I think number one is I, I would, um, uh, boy, um, uh, I would do that exercise of, I just mentioned to you, I would sit down every week and as your goals, as your, your, this is now part of your work before Christ. This is not apart from your work for the church. So the first thing you do at your work at church is God and then it's your spouse. 
That's that's number one. Every week you make that switch. That'd be a big switch. Number two is you find some way to invest in your marriage. I don't see counseling or therapy uh, as somewhere you go when you're in trouble. I see it as specific discipleship and training in your marriage. So, for example, one of the things I've done here at New Life Fellowship is I, I've, I've got an excellent uh, therapist that we've worked with over the years. I bring him in and I make sure our key staff are meeting with this person, with their spouse. I pay for it. I'm paying for it. I'm giving them time to do it. Uh, I'm encouraging it. Uh, thirdly, I'm, I'm, I'm asking our spouses. When I meet with a spouse, spouse with, or staff, and I'm not really supervising too many people right now, but I'm asking them, how's, you know, besides you know, their performance and other th- part of their performance is, how's your marriage? How's it going? And they know, they know if, if they're reporting to me, I'm going to ask that question. And I think it's part of our culture now. I think you're doing it now too, Rich. That's it. I, I, I think, you know, do some reading on marriage. And, and, uh, but it's, it's a life work. Those are good first steps. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be looking out for that uh, marriage ebook we talked about. So uh, get, get writing on that right, right after this podcast here. Uh, for more information you can, and for more resources, you can look at our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. You can also check out Pete's blog, PeteScazzaro.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you next time.